0: It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN.
1: is 317-684-8444, as we hear from you and your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 1031. And yesterday, Rob, you posed a question about the assassination of President Lincoln.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So that Super Seventy sports account, which I love, had posted, you know, he was being humorous, but he raised an interesting question. He did it in the way that he always does, but, you know, what do you think we always talk about, you know, the people that were impacted by Lincoln's assassination. Obviously, Lincoln, his family, the government, et cetera. But what was it like to be a regular person mm-hmm. who was at Ford's Theater and witnessed John Wilkes Booth, who there's a decent chance you actually knew who he was, assassinate the president, what was their conversations when they went home that evening like, or in the day after, or whatever? And I thought, I've never pondered that before, but that is such a great question.
1: Yeah, whatever they were saying, I'm sure they weren't using contemporary language, how we would talk today. So that on its own would be interesting. But somebody wanted to call and have a comment about that.
2: Hey, Casey and Rob, I was just calling about your earlier discussion about the assassination of Lincoln and some of the questions you had. I would highly recommend uh, getting the book Killing Lincoln by Bill O'Reilly. It's a really fascinating. It tells you a lot of the things you guys were talking about, gives you some answers to some of those questions. I know you're not much of a reader, Rob, but maybe Casey can read the book for you. <laughs> and also, just to set the record straight, he did not fall from the balcony. He actually jumped, leaped from the balcony because he wanted to be seen. And he said, sick, semper Tyrannus. Landed on the stage, which is ever thus to tyrants. And that's according to what he said. Um, there's no verification, I don't think, for anyone that that's exactly what he said. But he said he said that anyway. Like I said, get the book, read it, and uh, maybe you can translate it for him, Casey, or read it to him. <laughs> since I know Rob's not much of a reader. Anyway, enjoy your day.
0: I, Casey, this is why I love our audience because I'm sitting here as he's starting to form his thought, and I uh-huh. said, "Now I'm going to have to have you." tell you to read this thing and he was our audience knows this so well he's like hey Rob's not going to read it so maybe Casey will
1: I'll have to go in the studio and record it so it'll be like a book on tape for you (laughs) and then when you're sitting around at night with the baby you guys can play that I would love that wouldn't you love that because you don't get enough of me during the day you need me at home uh, at night too Um, okay so you had mentioned about the little league or actually it's not a little league it's the baseball uh, facility that's being built in Brown Part. So
0: yeah, so the news came out the other day that the Little League and the and the softball out there in Brownsburg have formed together and they're going to build this mega complex. Mm-hmm. Now they've it's my understanding they are purchasing the land. They have not raised the money to actually build the fields yet. But I took a victory lap because three years ago, our longtime listeners will remember uh, that they were going to try to get the taxpayers to build this and it was going to be $21 million and there was no ROI. There was no guaranteed sponsorships. There was no, what if we don't pay? I mean, it was just a, they were trying to strong arm because they do the thing. If you don't do what we want, you hate kids and you want Junior to suffer and Sally not to be able to play softball. And thankfully, in large part to our audience, they were part of the letter-writing campaign. They got that thing dethroned, and now they've come out, and we said, if you, if you, the town, make this thing fail, they'll have to do it on their own, and they will, and they did, and I laid out some parameters. I said, I was willing to help the Little League in softball, you know, raise some money for this. Who better in Brownsburg to do that than me, but I'm going to need a pretty sincere public apology mm-hmm. for how I was treated, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you were right, and then I think I'm all, I'm all on board on helping.
1: Yeah, no, I think they should just name the bathroom facilities after you and call it even, but uh, somebody wanted to call and say something About that, hi Rob, Safety and Kevin. I would call and tell Rob how nice that was of you. Um, I I know a lot of common sense is gone these days, but you
2: are really a good guy for promoting that field already without the public apology. (laughs) I just hope people see that Mm -hmm. with all the airtime you gave them today, Wednesday. And good for
1: you. You really are a good person. I really hope that they can see that. Um, so, like I said, who knows? There's not much shot left in this world
2: today? But you guys are great. I love you. I don't miss the show. And keep up the good work.
1: That was so nice of her. Mm-hmm. She she was doing some active listening, because yeah. while it seemed like you were giving them a hard time, right. you were really promoting the fact that it's being built.
0: I was, and I want them mm-hmm. to succeed, and this is the thing, Casey, but I, and I think we agreed. It's not that we disagreed that I say I'm owed this apology. It's the vicious way in which mm-hmm. I was treated And that is just unacceptable because, you know, we teach our children, which is what Little League and softball is about, that when you're wrong, you apologize and you take corrective action. And I think it would be a great way for the Little League and softball to lead for the children. And I'm now a parent myself, of course, to lead by showing here's what we do. This nice man Mm -hmm. cares so deeply about the community and. You know, he's now saved over $200 million for the townspeople in the 15 years he's been involved. And he was right, and we were wrong, and we apologize, and now we'd like to work together. And you thought that was a pretty reasonable approach for mm-hmm. me. I think yeah. being owed an apology is not, uh, you know, bombastic <laughs> or over-the-top, because I I am. I, am, I And I, I'm so glad that that lady just caught on about—and this is what I struggle with, Casey, is— and it's it's a real burden that I have to carry around with me each day— That I have the ability to do so much good, where do I concentrate my energy? And, you know, people all the time are saying you should run for this public office Mm -hmm. or that public office again. And it's just, it really weighs on me on a daily basis because anything I get into, I make it better. Anything that I'm a part of very often succeeds mm-hmm. and that's You're a, a winner. Well, that's a real, I mean, that really just weighs on you to have mm-hmm. that on, on you all mm-hmm. the time.
1: Um, would you like to brag and mention how much money you have saved the taxpayers of Brownsburg? Yeah. 200
0: million, uh, somebody, 200 million. Somebody did. And this was not me. Somebody did an outside estimation between the referendum and the various uh, aquatic center and uh, rec center and this thing and that thing. And of course, all the taxes I cut when I was there and somebody did an outside estimate, and they said, in sincerity, two hundred million dollars.
1: Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? Uh, one. You're right, and you're him. How do I not have a Sagamore of the Wabash? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I know because Holcom- Eric Holcomb is the one who passes.
0: <laughs> you know, out. The, the next governor, whoever it is, really should make that a mm-hmm. just a focal point of the campaign.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a phone call about Donald Trump, and somebody asking a question about that.
0: Hey, uh, what's your guys' show?
2: I'm sorry to beat a dead horse here, but I wanted to get uh, Kate's opinion on it. Um, after the New Hampshire and listening to Trump and his speech, um, I just winced again because of the ego. And I've said it multiple times that if it's if he's going to lose, it's going to be his own choice because he just it's his ego, he's his own worst enemy. But, um, as a female and a conservative, do you feel that if he does have remarks against her, um, I know he talked I think, a little bit about stress and things like this, but. Mm Is this something where, with females that may be conservative, kind of look at him in a different light uh, with him coming after a woman, or you know, going after a personal image? So, I'd love to hear your results.
1: Okay, this so This is all you. So he's talking about what Donald Trump said something about Nikki Haley's dress or something, a very fancy dress in oh, yeah. his Trump way that he does. I mean, Nikki Haley got into it. She knew what was coming. She knew she was going to take on Donald Trump when she entered the race. She knew he was going to be there too. Yeah. So she has to have some thick skin going into that as far as the personal image attacks. That's something women have been enduring for Years, If you're going to be in any sort of professional or business environment, that's just part of the game. And you just have to ignore those indiscretions. And I think when it comes to Donald Trump, first and foremost, I would have preferred to have seen Ron DeSantis be in the position. But it looks like it's going to be Donald Trump. So what are we dealing with now? Well, Donald Trump uh, has, you know, this – he he can – Run on the fact that there were no wars while he was president. Right. And as women, I believe one of the most important issues that women consider near and dear to them is their safety. And security. If you talk to a woman, a woman, most everything is going to fall back to am I safe? Am I secure? And the fact that Donald Trump can brag on the fact that there were no wars when he was president is very good. There's also the talking points of housewife economics. Can my family survive? Will I be safe? Will I be protected? And we all know that inflation, gas prices, rent, everything, groceries, was much lower under his tenure. And the American family is being threatened and Donald Trump is a fighter for motherhood. He's pro-life. He's pro-family. I feel that having my daughter is one of my greatest accomplishments of my life. And you only have to look at the success of Ivanka Trump to see how he is pro-mothers. And she is a successful mother. She is a successful business person uh, to see where he stands with women. He calls it like he sees it. I admire that disruptive style of his. It's it's a masculine ability to rankle those who don't agree with him. And that comes back to making a woman feel safe and yeah,
0: protected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's be honest. You you're... have
1: to take the good with the bad with him. You know you're going to have the ego. You know that's how he delivers things. But that is part of the masculine energy that he brings.
0: Yeah, and it's sweet you're putting up this front. You did a nice speech there, and I think you laid out a lot of good points. But like, Casey, part of why just popular is we're honest with our audience, and so let's be honest. You like him because he's rich. You like rich guys. You're really into rich dudes.
1: He's got a big I mean, wallet, come
0: on. Let's just right? let's not deceive people here. That's That's part of the equation.
1: No, right? I think part of it also is, though, where he stands on immigration and the border. That's a lot of people. He says he wants to close the border. He wants to invoke mass uh, deportation those go back to the safety concerns and we've seen uh, just yesterday the illegals behaving heinously and the fentanyl crossing the border those are real concerns of women and I honestly don't feel like Nikki Haley is the woman that I want representing women as the first female president all right Boom. All Roasted. Right. All right. Do we have time for one more? You're in yeah, charge. we've got time yeah. for a couple more. We want to get to these. Um, the Beatles conversation. Oh no. Yes, and no. here's somebody saying that uh, what they do with their musical choices. Hi Rob.
2: Hi, Casey. This old Side Tom. And when I say old, I'm turning seventy two next Tuesday, so go figure. Weighing in on the Beatles type situation, the White Album. And what the Beatles did back then, and why we revered them for that period of six or seven years. How after 1964, very simply, they were the Taylor Swift of our era. They came along after Kennedy's assassination and a very rough year in 1963 that the youth of that time, 63, obviously they would have been 11, went through, and they were a breath of fresh air, along with the rest of the British Invasion. The Beatles held our attention when they released the hit. No matter how stupid the words might have been to the hit, it caught our attention and we ran with it. Many other groups back there, American and English, were both doing stupid lyric songs. And newsflash, Taylor Swift songs are not necessarily the most profound utterances in the world that I've ever heard, nor are any of the other current artists. So we had something to follow back then. Times were simpler. We didn't have the internet to distract us. We didn't have all these outside distractions, including American uh, artificial intelligence and all that. So we held on to what we held on to Mm -hmm. women, sports, fast cars, and Beatles. This was our generation.
0: Okay, and I love Tom. Southside Tom is great. Tom has been a long-time listener, and I've uh, met Tom in person before. He's a phenomenal guy. Mm -hmm. That speech, though, was just short of the Lincoln. He belongs to the ages now. Uh, (laughs) I mean, okay, he's
1: defending his band. Here's
0: here's. Do we have another Beatles call, or is that is that it?
1: We can move on from it. Okay,
0: Uh, let me just say this, because I said this to Casey when we got done with this segment yesterday. Like, Casey knows when I do the Beatles thing, there's going to be just rage response from people. Mm -hmm. And so I could see the look of concern on her face. She turns a very ashy color, and her (laughs) eyes get big. And I just looked at her, (laughs) and I said, Casey, sometimes I'm here. (laughs) And I just want to be a heel for a few minutes and just see how mad I can make people <laughs> a few minutes in a short amount of time. <laughs> and I once again was successful.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All right. One last phone call. And this is from our lovely Gert.
2: Hey, it's Gert. I've heard twice now this morning, Tuesday, about Biden going to East Palestine, in Ohio, a little bit after the year of the uh, train derailment. Mm -hmm. What the hell is on that (laughs) crazy man's mind? (laughs) Why does he think he'll be welcome now? I hope people show up and boo him. (laughs) I don't understand anything that crazy old man does.
1: Gert, we've got the answer for you. It's an election year, and he wants votes from Ohio.
0: Gert, this little relationship we've had in the virtual sphere has gone on long enough, <laughs> and it's time for us to get the whole Gert story. I mean, Gert has been calling <laughs> since the, the you know, many, many years now, and she has given us vague things about her life like, was she a Bond girl? I don't know. But it's time, Gert, because <laughs> I know you're listening and we love you, for you to tell us the whole the whole Gert story. Mm-hmm. We want to know who you actually are because you're one of our favorite people. And it just pains me every day I wake up knowing I don't really know that much about Gert.